0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the All Good Juju podcast. I am your host, Brittany Basinski. Today's episode is such an informative interview with nutritionist and women's health and mindset coach Brooke Razi. We're going to be chatting all about hormone alignment and how to harness your feminine power. If you've been following me on Instagram, I've been diving deep into the world of hormone health after ending my second postpartum season where my hormones and my health were somewhat of a mess. I had always tracked my cycle and felt fiercely aware of my body, but didn't know nearly enough about how to honor it through each phase until very recently. I don't have a daughter, but if I did, I would be so excited to share this information with her about female body, our feminine power, and how we can really sync up with our cycles and hormones to maximize the quality of our life. Ladies, this information is so very important and will offer some new perspectives on your health that you won't be able to forget. I'm very happy to welcome Brooke to chat with us today. This is going to be a jam-packed interview, so let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the All Good Juju Podcast. Thank you so much, Brooke, for coming on today. I'm so excited. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So let's tell everyone a little bit about your story, who you are, and what got you pulled into the health and wellness world.
1: Yeah. Um I mean, I feel like there's a lot of layers to this, so we could go in a lot of directions, but we'll keep this simple. Um, So I originally got intrigued by nutrition and and health when I was young. I was overweight as a kid. um, I don't really remember when that started, but I remember in like elementary school being overweight, and I... Lost the weight in in sixth grade, my family and I did the South Beach diet, which I'm not encouraging. Um, but that's um, kind of what we did at that stage. And from then on, nutrition and just working out and those kinds of things really started to just become a part of my life. Um, I played sports for a long time. And, um, when I stopped playing sports, I started to notice the weight was coming back. And so then like every other teenage girl, um, you know, my diet at that point was like starving myself or just like not eating breakfast or, you know, skipping lunch or those kinds of things. And I never really understood how to like treat my body well. So it led to small eating disorder tendencies up until my early twenties. And I, at that time was actually in cosmetology school. I was going, uh, I started as a hairstylist and um, I was really finding that I was super passionate about working out nutrition um, and I decided to go back to school to be a personal trainer and that's how I, I started. And, and still in your young twenties, a lot of it is, is aesthetic based. So a lot of my nutrition focus was what's going to still make me fit into my jeans and look good in a bathing suit. Um, until about halfway through my career, my dad passed away from cancer within six weeks of his first um, symptom and, or known symptom, and it was a pretty traumatic way that he passed away, and I didn't know at the time that I had gotten PTSD, and I was just really struggling with the stress and trauma of it all, and my body freaked out in that time. Um, Later to find out my body had freaked out because also in high school, I was on put on birth control and um, was never taught how my body functioned, obviously in many different layers. And my body kind of reached a tipping point when my dad passed away, whereas like all these compounding stressors and symptoms that I had been ignoring for years just all came to the surface. My hormones freaked out. I gained like 20 pounds in three months unexplainably. I was in the health and fitness field. I obviously was eating well. There was, it's not like I went home and started eating a pizza every night to justify why I was gaining this weight. Um, Other than my body was just having a significant reaction to stress. So I really started to work with functional um, physicians because I spent a while going to physicians and saying, I think something is wrong with my thyroid and getting ignored um, or just having like basic tests run and told that nothing was wrong until I went to see a functional physician and they actually found out that I had clinically low hypothyroid. So I started to find out and just through personal experiences, see how much my hormones and everything that was functioning inside my body from the stress and everything was playing a role, not just into like my weight and how my clothes are fitting, but just how I was overall feeling. Cause I was feeling like crap at that time. I wasn't able to sleep. I was anxious. Um, I was struggling with grief. Um, And I was having a really, really hard time through that. So I really started to see a lot of that in my clients too, the ones that were struggling to get results, the ones that were having a hard time um, and feeling like they were fighting their body. I was starting to see a lot of that come out. So I started to partner with different physicians and that's kind of what led me to where I am now is really wanting to help women understand how this is so much more than just exercise and food there's so many more facets that come into it and and not just about how you're fitting in your clothes but just overall the quality of your life and how you're feeling in your body
0: yeah wow there are like a good solid five whole <laughs> stories in that yeah. and i love that like you said there are there are so many layers starting from you know like your childhood and having that sort of struggle and then that leading you to you know, the eating disordered patterns, which I think you're right. Like, you know, I don't think I had those per se. Um, but I think once I got to college and I gained the freshman 15, I resonated with your story about like, once I was done with athletics, um, and I, you know, I was an athlete all through high school and trained all season long off season. So, you know, a lot of physical activity, um, And I always chalked it up to like, oh, I've just got like a really, you know, kick-ass metabolism like my family. Um, And and I mean, I think part of the genetics uh, comes to play, but lifestyle is huge. So when I got to college, you know, pizza and beer every night, um, not moving my body, I gained like the freshman 20. And I remember being on campus and this girl from high school came up to me and she goes, Brittany Click? That was my maiden name, she goes, I don't even recognize you. Wow, you got so fat. And oh my said, gosh. She said that to my face and I remember walking up to my dorm room. It was like the middle of winter and I was still, you know, a little hefty at that point point. and I got to my dorm and I'm like, "Wow. I guess I have kind of like when I don't know, at least for me, I didn't realize until someone else had told me like, yeah. "You look different, girl." You know, um And it still didn't click with me at that point. It didn't register that I needed to do anything. For me, my story was more so like I got really sick. Yeah. So that was like my, um, my catalyst for change. And I think it's fascinating that like it does take, for most people, something big, like as a tipping point to make you make a change. So yeah. I think your story can resonate with a lot of women, especially women who like, yeah, I, I do remember like later in my twenties, like eating these Danon light and fit yogurt <laughs> and, like, and like just junk. I mean, we laugh at what we were eating then just trying to like starve calories all day, drinking like vodka and sugar-free cream yes. juice at night. Yeah. Like, all of that. Like we thought we knew like what to do to not. Yeah. Like to, and and the focus then was like, look hot in the bikini by spring break. It was never like, let's get healthy. Yeah. That was never it.
1: And when I look back at that, right. I don't remember what size I was or any of that, but, and I really remember how I felt and that's the most important thing to me. I don't, care if you're a size 10 or a size 6. I care about how you feel in your skin and that's what I tell my clients. You could get down to a size 2 but you could feel like crap when you're there. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing is what's the quality of your life when you're there and how are you feeling there and what's really internally going on? And a lot of times we don't even recognize that we're not feeling good until we do feel good because we're so used to it. Your body is very smart your body adapts, your body adjusts to those things. But when it's your normal to wake up and need coffee every day, and it's your normal to experience anxiety, and it's your normal to feel tired at three in the afternoon, and it's your normal to have trouble sleeping or wake up in the middle of the night, we think that that's just the way it's supposed to be because it's so common because other people around us are experiencing too, but it's actually not normal. And you really don't have to feel that way. But we chalk it up to, well, they experienced it. And, and as a woman, and, and so many different parts of that story too, I was put on birth control because I was getting a lot of PMS and things. And in high school, every girl's put on birth control because they're getting PMS or having acne or whatever it is, right? Or sometimes they don't want to admit that they're sexually active, right? Like that's, that's kind of why they're put on it. But, and I don't know if it would have changed my choice when I was 16 years old, because when you're 16, you don't really think about the long-term ramifications, but I wish I would have been told how my body functioned and why I was getting PMS and the things that I could do to have changed that and what maybe could be a long-term ramification of being on birth control for a longer period of time. Oh
0: my gosh. We could talk about birth control all day long. Because yeah. yes, I I was put on birth control at fifteen, and I didn't get off until I think like twenty four, so that's a long time. And I'm even this morning, someone sent something to me about like how birth control can um, it can really change your relationship with your partner. It changes your yeah. smell, your pheromones, who you're attracted to. Um, so I just find that fascinating and like there's a higher divorce rate with people getting off birth control and realizing like wait a minute I'm not even attracted to this person
1: it's bizarre yeah. it's bizarre There's actually studies to show that yeah
0: yes so someone sent me that this morning which I just was like oh my gosh that makes so much sense <laughs> um for me I don't know about you I definitely had some like I don't know if they're called detox reactions or what but um I was starting to actually get on my birth control, these weird ocular migraines. I don't know if you know what those are, but they're like visual disturbances in your vision field. I never got the headache, but I would get like auras where you like kind of see things that aren't really there. Um, I would be driving and it was like my vision would concave and all of the lights would like turn into my eyes. It was so scary. All of a sudden I couldn't drive at night. I was like terrified to drive at all because my vision was so weird. And I worked, um, at this vitamin company, actually in their marketing department. And my boss at the time, her dad was, um, an ophthalmologist. She goes, you need to see him and see what's going on with your eyes. That's not normal. So I go. And one of the first things he asked me is, are you on birth control? And I was just like, Yeah. He goes, are you taking anything else? Any other medications, anything? I'm like, no, all I'm taking is birth control. And he goes, well, I don't want to be the one to tell you to get off birth control because that's not my business, but I've been an ophthalmologist for a long time. And I've seen a correlation between the hormone, the hormonal birth control contraceptives and these ocular disturbances. And so I went off that and it was scary, right? Because the whole time you're a menstruating woman from teenage to whenever you're until you're ready to have a child you're taught how to not have a child
1: yes. right like
0: you're not yes. taught any bit of your fertility how small that window actually is it's just how many days like 3 days or 3 to 5 days 3 to 5 can, yeah 3 to 5 days you can get pregnant in the whole month never was i truly taught about my fertility how my body worked when i was ovulating i knew none of that until I got off the birth control pill and I had to figure out my body. I had no choice. So again, it was another pain point where my body, like you said, is just so smart and it really is smart in the way that I feel like it can make us sick or bring us to these catalysts for change where it's like, okay, I'm going to give you these ocular migraines so you can stop putting this shit in my body. Right. So yeah, I think everybody has like their own birth control story, but I think it's a really important part to dig into um, because it is so much a band-aid movement right now like oh you've got cramps you know birth control you you yeah yeah, it's it's tough
1: you and it's not to knock it right but it's to understand how it's important and how it's impacting you and it's a hundred percent okay To use it as birth control. I have a problem when it gets used though as the band-aid solution and their women don't understand other methods of birth control because they're not taught it and when we look at it a lot of times women have those responses because it's taking over a hormonal process in your body, a natural process in your body as a woman for years, it's taking over. Mm -hmm. So it's synthetic hormone, we don't realize that, that it's synthetic hormone that you're taking. And whenever your body's taking that synthetic hormone, that means that for however many years you've been on it, your body has not had to naturally produce that hormone. So you have, you take the symptoms and things that you were experiencing for why you went on it in the first place. And again, not talking about somebody who just goes on it for birth control and is not having any symptoms, Mm -hmm. but the person who's experiencing those, and then you go on it and it's like putting duct tape over a leaking pipe. You put that duct tape over there for years, And then you want to come off of it because you want to get pregnant. You just don't want to be on it, whatever you come off of it. And you have severe reactions many times when you're coming off of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times is that because your body is trying to learn how to use its hormones again and what they even do. And many times your progesterone is lower. Um, there, you know, your body doesn't really know how to do this. It's got to kind of relearn it. And we come off and it can be a period of six months, nine months, 12 months, Realistically, that it takes your hormones to readjust themselves, and we're in such a quick fix society that we expect it to happen right away, and we don't want to wait that period of time. Um, or we'll come off of it, and that first bleed you have off of your birth control is not a period; it's a pill bleed, and then your real period may not come at all for months, or it comes soon, and then it's sporadic. And we think like, what's going on? What's wrong? And then we go back on birth control because again, in that time, we didn't step back to see like, okay, I just have to teach my body how to do this again. And I have to teach my body what I need it to do. And I need to maybe get to the root reason why my body wasn't even feeling good before I went on this in the first place. Um, So that's one major factor. And women who have had kids, we can feel the impact of hormone shifts because you've had kids you've you felt a hormone crash right you felt that difference um you know you think about when you're pregnant the things that happen like your your gums bleeding more often some women's vision changes when they're pregnant those things are all hormonal shifts in your body and we don't realize how much your hormones play a role in so many other facets other than just whether or not you have a period
0: Totally, totally I was talking to a functional medicine practitioner last week and she focuses on gut health and she reached out to me because I've been talking a lot about hormone health just because it's again like my body is so intelligent that it will point this you know issue that I need to work on and of course having two children going through you know two postpartum seasons does a lot to your hormones and yeah. it it it's just what it is um, and she was saying she goes, I feel like I need to immerse myself more into the world of, um, like hormone health and learning about that and how that, you know, relates to gut health. And she goes, but I feel like, you know, once you fix the gut, you fix everything. And that is very true. But what I told her was that's true until you have a baby, right? Because even if your gut health is great, you're still going to have hormone crashes, when you stop breastfeeding, or when you start breastfeeding, or when you deliver the placenta in your child, it's a hormone shitstorm, yeah. And I think it's really important to talk about that. um, Because I think, you know, maybe there's moms who are listening who I know there are moms who are really excited to hear us talk about hormones, for sure. Some of them are Afraid to deliver their baby just because they know that hormone crash is coming Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Like what are some things that these women can do knowing like it's inevitable your hormones yeah. are, This is just what the female body does How can we support that? Um, and what does it look like to support your hormones through like that postpartum season?
1: Yeah, it's um, I had our last baby 18 months ago so I, I remember yeah. that that stage and we don't realize that postpartum is actually up to two years after you have a kid. Um, if you've had a kid, you kind of feel like those month shifts, you know, where like six months, you maybe start to feel like yourself again, nine months, you start to get your strength back. I think around 12 to 16 months, I truly, I always joke. I'm like, I felt like I got my brain back, but it's actually yeah. true. Like I actually felt like I started to get myself back. Totally. And when you're, after you have a baby, um, your hormones crash. Within that, that first 72-hour window, your hormones are crashing. And that's what we kind of call the baby blues, is it's your hormones crashing. And that's why we can be really emotional, weepy, you know, all those different things. But we don't recognize that pregnancy itself is a big stress on the body. It's an amazing thing, but it's a big stress on your body as a woman. And we put this like, okay, after we have a baby, like, just get right back to it. You know, we can talk about postpartum maternity leave as a big issue, right? But like, we just think like, we just have to get back to it. And how soon after having your kids, did you get your body back? And and we need to stop those conversations because you already went through a huge stress. And then delivery, whether you had a vaginal delivery or a C-section is a trauma. And we think of trauma as like, like I said, like losing my dad, that's a trauma, but so is delivery. It's a trauma on your body. You get an amazing thing out of it, but it's a trauma. And you have to recover. And those six weeks is really just like the insurance marker for when you go back to get tested from your OB and make sure that things are healing appropriately. That's not the actual marker for when you should be back to yourself, recovered, and fully there. Your hormones for that full, you know, fourth trimester are really shifting and recovering themselves. So the first thing I always say, because you went through some major stressors is you have to support your adrenals after you've had your baby. Um, Your adrenals control your cortisol, which is your stress hormone. And they play a major role when they're depleted after you've had a kid, if we don't support them, or we try to just get right back to things right away, we're actually making the situation worse. And that's where like, A year down the road, two years down the road, we could have like a delayed postpartum anxiety or depression, or we could feel terrible even two to three years after we've had a kid where we can realize like, wow, I just really haven't felt like myself since I had my child. And a lot of that is because we didn't support our body and the stress that it went through right away after it went through it. So supporting your adrenal function is huge. Using adaptogens that are safe if you're nursing are really good. Ashwagandha can be safe. Um, But using adaptogens to support your body right after you've had the baby can be very beneficial. Um, Nourishing your body. This is far from the time you should be trying to diet. Mm -hmm. Dieting is a stress on the body. So really prioritizing as many nutrient dense things as you can, quality proteins to help your body recover, carbohydrates to get everything replenished, but also This is also where I say support is huge. And if you don't have like, I don't have a lot of family around me, but this is where we had to hire things in. Um, We saved up during pregnancy to have a postpartum doula to help support us. My husband and I had conversations around who was getting up. Um, The conversation was like, listen, I carried and birthed and am feeding the children. Like, could you wake up in the middle of the night a little bit? Right. Like remember that you're a partnership in it too. Um, we have to look at all facets and just really making sure that you're rested and supported. And as silly as it is, literally don't worry about the dishes. Like don't worry about how messy the house is. Nobody expects you to be perfect at that time. Your job in your postpartum period is to just focus on nourishing yourself so that you can nourish the baby. And that's it.
0: I wish I had this talk before I had my kids, even with the second one, you know, you think, you know, everything by the time you have your second child or your third child, but yeah, I'm listening to this and I'm just having like replays of, you know, yeah, birth is trauma no matter what. Um, And then I'm having like flashbacks too of like, you know, you talk about adrenal stress and adrenal health and my gosh, I was so tired and the fatigue is real. Like the sleep deprivation also affects,
1: you know,
0: your hormones and everything It's really hard to heal and recover when you're not sleeping. So, you know, thinking back to how I felt in the thick of it, you know, night wakings, breastfeeding around the clock um, and all those hormones and in my adrenal health, I was doing nothing to support that, if anything. Like I was doing everything to to destroy my adrenals, right? I was pounding coffee, right? Like yeah. mama needs coffee. Like I was coffee queen all freaking day. You know, <laughs> I would have like three cups in the morning, and then I'd just be like antsy to have like my iced coffee by two. And then you know, I'd cut myself off by three but then I'd give myself a couple hours to hydrate before I had my glass of wine at night. Like the worst, the worst freaking things for my body, like so bad.
1: And you don't, your body doesn't feel like your own after you've had a baby, right? And and it's easy to say it, right? But I've experienced it too. Your body doesn't feel like your own. So we think though that dieting and getting back to our pre-body size is gonna be what makes us feel good. And that's not necessarily the case what's going to really make you feel good is going to be supporting what just happened to your body supporting the stress recovery and yeah we might, we might need some coffee at that time a little bit because we're not sleeping right, right. but prioritizing and steps of like, okay, now that I am sleeping more, can I scale back on the caffeine? Can I support my adrenals a little bit more? All Right now that I am sleeping through the night, what else can I be shifting? And just kind of take it. I always say like stress is like a cup of water. Every time that we have a stressor go in, we need to take a stressor out because the name of the game is don't let the cup of water overflow. So that postpartum period is a big stressor. Exercise and dieting and all those things are stressors too. So until we're ready to take some stressors out of the cup, we shouldn't be adding any other stressors in. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, because again, we just really want to get back to feeling like ourselves as quickly as we can. We need to be patient with that process and understand that like motherhood's a little bit of a grieving journey. Like we need to just be okay with not totally feeling like ourselves and be okay with sitting in that uncomfortable feeling for a little bit and just Let it teach us what it needs to teach us and know that there's going to be a time you're going to feel like yourself again, and you're going to get back there, but you need to move through it. And how you get back there can really depend on how you treated yourself after you had that postpartum stage. At some point, you're going to have to let your body recover. And it's either going to be when you're in your postpartum period, or you're going to be dealing with it like I see with clients now. Four to five years down the road because you've ignored it for so many years and you pushed too soon, and now your body is having big reactions.
0: Mm, that's wild. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, too, postpartum, I'm thinking back to like my experience, even with my last, you know, he's two and a half, and like by two years, I was me again. It took a yeah. whole two years. I think I'm, actually writing a post for Detroit moms right now about that whole process of it being two years and when people ask me like oh do you want a third child are you ready and i'm just like (laughs) sister friend i i'm hitting my stride right now your girl is sleeping i'm eating i'm exercising i'm taking care of me you know my cup is steady i don't want to have to have my cup tip over of water right now like i'm feeling really really good yeah. Um, but I do think it's important to say like, you know, I know with my sister-in-law, she was a, you know, a first time mom and, um, she would always feel so guilty about like not working out or just, you know, some of my other mom friends like, Oh, I need to get to the gym. I need this. And I'm like, honestly, with my first, my very first child, I think I worked out a handful of times in that first year. I just couldn't. Okay. And before that, Crazy part was I was a competitive bodybuilder, so I lived in the gym i you know that was my life Um, so going from zero to one you know a hundred to zero was wild, but I do think that that's what my body did need. I think I was you know over exercising and I can go on for days about that, but I do think that in a way that restful time not restful right i guess i I could say time away from putting physical stress on my body after all of the years of, you know, working out and and athletics and then right. The, the whole journey of being pregnant and delivery, having the time to not be doing so much physically helped heal me a little bit. And as crazy as it sounds, like I needed that downtime away from like focusing on what my body looked like or you know, what I was going to look like in a bathing suit, I actually took it pretty well, surprisingly, from being so body focused to just like accepting like, you know what, this is a season. And so with my second, I did realize that, you know, this is just a chapter, this is just a season, I felt more prepared. And I knew, you know, like you said, like right around the nine month mark, I'm like, okay, I can like, go for walks and maybe do like a little bit of like dumbbell squats in my basement. Like, you know, low low impact things felt felt good.
1: You need to recognize too, right? Like your journey doesn't have to be the same as anybody else's, and we compare way. Too much, and we think, like, well, that's what they were doing at eight weeks postpartum. I should be able to do that. Or at six months postpartum, that's what she looked like. Why don't I look like that? We compare it way too much, and we don't understand that we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with somebody. I, I had a, I have a client who's pregnant right now, and she sent me something, and she was like, Tell me this isn't realistic. And I was like, You have to understand that that fitness influencer's job is to work out. And then that's all they do. But you also have to understand that you don't know whether they're nursing. You don't know what stressors they have. Did they have a night nanny? Did they start sleeping right away? What are the things that they had going on behind the scenes? You can't compare those two things. Absolutely. And we do that way too much um, to, to really just understand, Like, just tune in, just listen to what your body is telling you that you need to do. And that's what's right for you.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about hormone alignment. I know this is something that you're currently working on as a coach with women. What is hormone alignment and yeah. why is it
1: important? So I, I call it more like cyclical alignment, right? Like tuning in with your cycle and just knowing what's going on with your body. And, and I started to speak to it a lot more because I was recognizing patterns again <laughs> patterns with like clients and and myself too, but noticing like, okay, around this time of the month, I feel really good. I have more energy, I'm more motivated to do things. But around this time of the month, I'm exhausted and I'm tapped out and whatever workout routine I'm trying to do is actually wearing me down and not being beneficial to my body. Um, So you see a lot of like cycle syncing and those kinds of things. I take a little bit of a different approach and really like there's foundations that we have to honor first, right? We have no business trying to be super specific about what vegetables you're eating at what time of the month and things, unless you're actually eating vegetables to begin with in the first place, right? So like just start there and then just start moving your body and then just start drinking water. But then when we want to start to get into like what's going on with your cycle, I always try to explain it to people like we have two big... Stages in our cycle. We have our luteal and we have our follicular stage And if you don't even know what that is just start tracking your hormones track your cycle on an app Just get aware of where you are and you're gonna start to notice some trends And in your follicular stage, I call this like social superpower time. Your estrogen is rising. This technically starts when you start your period, but this is why like at the end of your period, you can feel really good Mm -hmm. because your estrogen is starting to go up and estrogen to you as a woman is like testosterone to a man. So this is why like... A week or so after your period you might feel really good in your clothes you might naturally just like dress a little bit sexier okay. if you're like me you live in sweatpants <laughs> but um, you're getting closer to that mid part of the month when you're ovulating and when you're in ovulation your testosterone even comes up a little bit because primarily, if you were wanting to get pregnant this would be your ideal time you might have a higher libido around this time And part of why you're feeling really good is because if you think about like how you're feeling when you're on your period, nobody wants to be getting busy with their spouse when they're not feeling very good, right? Mm -hmm. So you feel really good around this time because of that. And then after you have your ovulation, we enter your luteal stage. And we have some shifts that go in in our body when we're there. In our follicular stage, when we're feeling good, our estrogen is high, our progesterone is lower progesterone and estrogen do a little dance with each other through the month when we enter our luteal stage our estrogen starts to go down and our progesterone starts to come up and what can happen and it's usually this stage where women start to ask themselves what's wrong with me why am i feeling this way i'm exhausted i'm tapped out um, is because we're not really honoring what's happening in our cycle around this stage and there's a few things that happen Your cortisol naturally is a little bit higher, so your stress hormone is a little bit higher. Your serotonin, which is a feel-good neurotransmitter, is naturally a little bit lower, and your progesterone is higher, which is a little bit um, more of a natural sleep aid, and it's also a pro-thyroid hormone. So when we enter our luteal stage, this is where I spend most of my time with women, is We need to shift what we're doing to support our body there. Um, Because your cortisol is naturally higher, you might hyper respond to caffeine. You might notice that anxiety is naturally higher. You might notice that um, if you do drink like three cups of coffee in the day, that like you just, you feel more wired or jittery from it than you would before. And so what I generally say is like around this time of the month, maybe we scale back the caffeine intake if you notice anxiety a little bit. Um, maybe our workouts instead of being in hit classes all the time start to become more of a blend of like yoga. And instead of running, it's maybe walking. Um, we start to kind of shift gears to support our body and go inward a little bit more. And then your progesterone's doing two things. I said it's a natural sleep aid and it's a pro-thyroid hormone. So you might notice that you need to sleep a little bit longer around this time of the month where normally maybe you're seven hours and you're good. You might need to be eight, nine hours around this time. Maybe that alarm going off in the morning, you don't feel rested like you normally would and you hit snooze more. So maybe you need to go to bed a little bit earlier or sleep 30 minutes later or something around this time to support your body. And then progesterone being a pro-thyroid hormone, your thyroid is your master Metabolism controller. So, you actually might feel hungrier around this time. And generally, we need on average a 5 to 10% increase in our calories around this stage of the month. So, if you do or don't track calories, if you do, 5 to 10% is pretty easy to calculate out. If you don't, then maybe I usually say like a couple squares of dark chocolate. We usually want chocolate around this time. It's got magnesium, it's got things that can be really beneficial. So, just add a couple squares of dark chocolate every day around the second half of the month because what happens when we don't and we don't honor what's going on is we get to that week before our period or there's few days before and we start to experience the PMS and we start to experience the mood swings and the anxieties and full, full blown effect around this time. Um, and we haven't been honoring that hunger need and that increase in calories. So maybe we make love to a pan of brownies when we're around here, right? Because we, we've, kind of ignored what our body needed for 10 days leading up to our period. So I always say like take a proactive approach and just tune into what your body needs and maybe just make some small shifts and start with one thing at a time to get up there. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. I remember seeing some graphic on social media and it really resonated with me um, where each phase of the cycle reflected a season. And so like your menstrual cycle was your, Winter season. And then what is it? The luteal phase after that? Or no, am I getting it right?
1: Your your follicular stage. Follicular stage. That's right. Yeah.
0: So that one was spring. So like, you know, in the wintertime, you're kind of like taking it easy. In the springtime, you're kind of perking up a little bit. And then there's summer and fall. Um, and fall being like getting closer to your period, summer being your ovulatory phase. So your you know, your libido is higher. You can do more like heavy weightlifting and things. And that for me, I needed that visual. I'm like a visual learner. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, so now when really I'm on good. my period and I'm like, Oh, it's winter, I'm on my period. I'm just going to like cozy up and read a book and I'm not going to feel any guilt about it because this is what my body is supposed to do right now. Yes rest. And so I think that was a really hard lesson for me. I even look back at like when I was a competitive bodybuilder and I was living in the gym, you know, 5 to 7 days a week, hardly taking any rest. I never one time was like, "Oh, I'm on my period. I'm going to go light." Like I would yeah. continue to push myself and I wish I could go back and like press rewind and then play a clip of me like exercising on my period. And then a clip of me on my, you know, during my ovulatory phase, I'm sure I was kicking ass during my ovulatory phase and dragging my feet to get to the gym to push, push, push when that like, wasn't what I was supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. I love that visual. That's really good. It. I always say, like, you know, if, if you have a daughter, right, or a friend told you, you know what, I'm feeling really exhausted, and I'm really tired right now, and I'm just not totally feeling like myself, your response to them would be like, you need to go rest, like, go chill out, right? But our response to ourselves is, no, you need to push through. Like, why are you feeling this way? You better suck it up, like, and move forward. And that's kind of what we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. versus when we're laying on the couch resting, sometimes we're driving ourselves crazy because we're laying there thinking of all the things that we should be doing feeling guilty sitting there resting when that's what we really need to be doing is we need to rest I always say like your body is literally bleeding Mm -hmm. like you're actually bleeding and if you were bleeding anywhere else other than somewhere that you can cover with pants you would tell somebody like they need to go chill right and take care of it Um, but we don't do that and when it comes to the workouts and things you know you can kind of gauge how you're feeling I still strength train around that time but it is way less they're then it down. is in another time yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah 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 this is all new to me this I mean honestly I feel like I've been waking up to my hormones waking up to like what my cycle means I don't have a daughter but you're right like imagine a world where we honored women's cycles you know and yeah, and yeah I remember being on my period and my mom do you need a heating pad like all these things and like you know mothers are just are like that naturally, but like, what if the rest of the world was like that? What if we felt supported and we held like meetings, you know, for business in our ovulatory phase because we knew we were going to kick ass? And like, what if we could go to our boss and be like, "Hey, I'm not going to be on my game. Let's do it this week." Like, if the whole world could cycle sync, can you imagine?
1: I, you know? yeah. <laughs> Well, and not just women too, right? It's really important to teach our daughters, but also our sons. Like I have my husband track my cycle on his phone. So he's aware of where I am in my cycle and when I might be more in the mood and when I'm not right. I like portrayed it off of like, Hey, this might benefit you to know when I might be more in the mood. Right. Or like, just be aware of like, Hey, she's on her period. Maybe I should bring her home some chocolate. Maybe I should bring her some tea, right? Maybe I should offer to rub her feet. If you can have your spouse be aware of that too, Mm -hmm. it can take your marriage to a different level as well. So they can understand how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And they might also be aware of like how you're emotionally feeling then too. Like, hey, she's feeling a little bit more anxious right now. Maybe I should approach this conversation differently versus another time.
0: Totally, totally. I will say too, just in my marriage alone, I'm very just... I'm an open book. And so whether you want to know or not, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> <And> My <laughs> spouse, like, you know, I'm very fertile this week, so let's be very careful. I don't want a baby. Or like I'm about to start my period or I'm feeling really anxious. And that here's where I'm at in my cycle. So he knows just because I tell him, but I, I do think it is important to like keep your partner up to date for sure. That way they know. Yeah. If you want to talk about this though, I feel like as a woman, if I were a listener listening to this, I would be like, being a woman sucks. Like every week we have a hormone, you know, like roller coaster and men just get to coast. And I think about this for my husband, we were talking about this at dinner. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, you just get to coast through life. You don't get to know what it's like for every week. Everything changes. You don't have these seasons. I explained to him like the seasons and he was fascinated by it. He's like, wow, you guys really go through a lot. You know, nonetheless, you bear children and deliver them and, and all of that. Right. And then all of that stress on the body. But like every week we have a new shift. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I know mm-hmm. another thing you're really into is like harnessing your feminine power. Um, you know how can we view these things going on in our body as something good other than like great that's another thing that the woman has to deal with
1: yeah you know a lot of that is mindset too a lot of it is i can think of it as wow this is just another thing or i can think of it as like wow what an amazing thing my body is Awesome. Like my body literally can create a human, birth a human, and I am so connected to that human because of them being inside of my body. Like, how awesome that my husband doesn't get to have this kind of a relationship with our children right? And you can kind of think of it that way. And yes, like there's some parts that can feel exhausting, but I think those parts feel exhausting too, because of the expectations that we put on ourselves as women versus understanding that, you know what, I can honor this and I can advocate for myself and I can speak up for these things. We have right now, we're kind of living in like a cultural system where I think women are ignored. Too, and we're pushed aside when we go to a doctor and we say like i just feel off like i feel like something's wrong and we like it's in your head or here's the medication take this right we're not really taught to look inward. So we look at these things as burdens and we look at these things as frustrating things versus understanding like, wow, how powerful is it that when I tune into how my body is that like my body's actually a really amazing thing. And how amazing is it that my body literally tells me when it needs rest and when it's ready to push harder. And my body can create a human during that and birth it. But instead we think like such a pain in the butt that I have a period or any of those things. A lot of that is a really big mindset shift, but it's also shifting the perspective and the way that you do things around you too. And the conversations that you have around it so that you can start to feel more empowered and advocate for yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are really good points. Um, I feel like, To I liked what you said about how you know you feel that you're able to have a more of a connected relationship with your kids, and then I instantly thought like how lucky we are to maybe have that really intimate connection with our bodies, whereas you know we have no choice but to just know what's going on with our body when our period's coming. We're going on a vacation. We we need to know when you know. what do they call her? Aunt Sally, when she shows up or something or aunt, aunt <laughs> Auntie Bo, right. We need to know when she's arriving. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, it is a mind shift thing, like our mindset thing. Like you, you know, men don't have to, they can just peruse. They don't have to worry when their bleed's coming or whatever. But I do think there's so much magic in that. And I think a lot of women don't really know, like how powerful these phases are and how It is, you know, something to really get excited about and to feel like pride, like I'm a woman, this is great. This is actually really cool. And I'm so lucky that I get to have, like you said, like have these uh, seasons in my body. I think that's awesome
1: yeah you get to have a season in your body where you're more naturally inclined to be social and be creative and to like hone in and power through and then you have seasons of your body where you're going to be more naturally inclined to rest and go inward and and that's like your period time and your luteal stage is a really good time to be creative because you have time to quiet and go inward and be with that and then you can take those things that you were creative with when you're in your follicular stage and you can put them into action and you have those times where you can strategically set that in your life but it really starts with I always call it like the foundations you're gonna feel like you hate it if you don't know when your cycle is coming You're going to feel like you hate it if you're experiencing PMS. You're going to feel like you hate it if you don't know why one time of the month you feel really good and then another time you don't. But when you tune into that and you just start to track your cycle, you start to nourish your body with the foods that it needs because that's the most bioavailable way for our body to get nutrients. You start to rest and sleep and prioritize water and prioritize your stress and just move your body. You're going to start to naturally tune into and realize like, wow, my body actually feels really amazing and I can feel really good. I don't have to feel like crap just because I'm on my period. I don't have to feel like crap just because it's like the week before and I'm supposed to be having PMS and my boobs hurt and cramping and you know, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to feel that way, but we've kind of accepted that because it's so common for Mm -hmm. us to feel that way.
0: Right. Common is not normal. Yeah. Right, right. So- I, yeah, I love that. I did see this diagram on your Instagram, which, by the way, is so amazing. It has such educational and like helpful graphics. And I love the one with the triangle explaining women's health. And you know, it, within that triangle, there was thyroid health on one side, sex hormones on the other, adrenal support on the on the lower half of the triangle, and then in the middle was gut health. So. Yeah, this is, this is fascinating to me. And, you know, a lot of like gut health doctors don't address hormones, a lot of hormone doctors don't address all these things, but I love that you're kind of going for the full, you know, pinnacle here. Um, how do we address these and support these simultaneously? Someone I know is listening to this and is probably scratching their head, like, okay, I get it. This is important. What the heck can I do?
1: Start Simple. We want to get super complicated, right? That the seed cycling and cycle syncing and you know supplements at certain time and all these things—they're amazing and they're very beneficial. But they're not going to do nearly as much as the simple foundational habits that you can do. And those simple foundational habits address everything. They focus on all of it. And I, I say that your thyroid, your adrenals, your gut health, and your sex hormones are all intricately connected with each other. We want to put them in silos very often and only focus on one at a time. So to kind of simply explain it, um, your thyroid, I always put at the top. For those that haven't seen the visual, it's like, think of it as the top of the triangle. If the thyroid's not functioning appropriately, none of the other three are going to function appropriately. We can assume that everything else is pretty much off because your thyroid literally controls almost every function in your body. So that plays a huge role. That's why when I had clinically low hypothyroid, my issue was I wasn't converting T4 to T3. I was feeling like crap. But when they were just pulling a TSH and T4, like most doctors will, no one was finding anything wrong. And I kept saying, I feel terrible. Um, So your thyroid plays a huge role. Mm -hmm. And then you have your adrenals, which I would say in today's day and age needs a lot of support because we stress, especially over the last two years, really needs support. Um, your adrenals essentially think of them as like your stress controllers. They're impacted by stress, your cortisol, your stress hormone gets produced there. Um, so that's where it plays a big role. They sit on top of your kidney. Then you have your sex hormones, your sex hormones, the biggest thing I would say is women especially want to learn so much about their sex hormones and like, what do I need to do to fix our sex hormones? But what we don't realize is there's no direct way for me to impact your sex hormones. The way I impact your sex hormones is through your habitual habits and all the other three. So the doctor who does focus on gut health is actually focusing on supporting your sex hormones. The the doctor who focuses on your adrenal and stress is supporting your stress hormones. When you're focusing on your thyroid, you're supporting your sex hormones. Your sex hormones, the way we can impact them is like the, the cycles, like tuning into that, like I talked about. And all the other habits that we do in the day are impacting your sex hormones. Usually I say if your sex hormones have gone off, it's not because of what you've been doing in the last month. It's because of what you've been doing in the last six to nine months that are impacting what's happening with your sex hormones. So the best way to support that and start super simple, the biggest thing I always say is the things that we overlook and think are silly are the most impactful. Drinking enough water during the day. This is the number one way your body is going to support natural detoxification. If you're not pooping, peeing and sweating, we can assume that your that your sex hormones are off. You have to poop and pee and sweat to support sex hormone function. So drinking water is going to support all of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you're eating food, prioritizing quality proteins, prioritizing fibers to help support getting things moving, those are two big ones and then phytonutrients. I always say like how many colors are on your plate? So the more calories you have, the more variety of nutrients you're going to have in your food. This is the most bioavailable way for your body to get nutrients and we overlook it, but your body needs food for two things. It needs calories and it needs nutrients. From food. Very often we're dieting way too much and under eating as a woman, or we're eating highly processed things and we're not getting enough nutrients through our food. So if anything, just start to prioritize adding some veggies into your meal. Start to prioritize some more quality things over a package item. If it's something normally packaged, could you make it homemade? It's going to have more nutrients that way. So when you are look at your nutrition, start there. Stop trying to diet and just start to focus on nourishing your body. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to our movement, you can start to kind of sink in with what your cycle's doing. Take it a little bit more low intensity around your period. Kick it up a little bit when you're outside of there. Don't overthink this too much. Yeah. And then sleep is the number one way we can support all of those hormones sleep regulates your blood sugar sleep supports your hormone recovery sleep supports your thyroid sleep supports your gut health sleep is so incredibly critical mm-hmm. and we overlook it way too much totally. um and then your gut health you have to poop you have to poop every day um <laughs> I my clients when it, like the first time I talk to them I'll be like so how often are you pooping and they're like uh I'm like it's fine I've yeah, birthed yeah. humans like just talk about it we I all do, do it, it. <laughs> You think it's normal to not poop every day, but you actually need to poop two to four times a day because that's how your body's regulating everything through. Mm-hmm. So they all work in conjunction with each other. Um, it's really just about starting with those simple foundational habits first.
0: I love that. I line with that so much. Mm, so good. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. And I just wanted to like, just ask a few questions this is kind of new for me, but I kind of want to start doing this like (laughs) going forward just to like get to know someone and just, yeah, like what, what really aligns with them. So what are your favorite ways to support your hormones and health? I feel like everyone's on a different journey, but like, what are some of your personal favorites that you do?
1: Yeah. So most recently, um, so I can talk about a few, I do breath work a lot Mm -hmm. that really supports a lot of it. Getting through traumas and stress is huge when it comes to supporting that. I take an Epsom salt bath a few times a week. Um, I take a really hot Epsom salt bath and then I take a cold shower for like 10 to 15 seconds after. It's a little bit of a biohack, but mm-hmm. um, helps support your immunity, helps support rec- stress recovery, helps support um, hormonal health, and the magnesium is really, really good to helping calm. I do dry sauna if I'm not doing an Epsom salt. And then the biggest supplement I take. Two of them are magnesium glycinate, especially leading up to my period, and chasty berry. um, Or you'll see it called Vitex. um, Helps naturally support your progesterone, too.
0: Yes, love all of that. Um, What is one thing you think everyone can do today to feel their best, if they had to pick one thing?
1: Go to sleep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you can probably get home there.
1: Yeah. Drinks, drink some water. Um, maybe scale back on that caffeine a little bit. If you feel anxiety, I know that sounds really scary if you're a mom, but like Mm -hmm. you're going to go through a little bit of a detox, but I promise you will have natural energy during the day. Um, and prioritize your sleep. It's so important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We could go into sleep forever. And then finally, what's your favorite biohack you kind of like mentioned, but is there anything else that you're just like, this is my jam?
1: Um, massages as mm. often as I can get one, I will schedule one, um, and dry sauna or Epsom salts. Those are my big ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love a good sauna. This is great. Yeah.
0: And a good massage too. Um, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I feel like we could just talk for hours, yeah. but, um, I really appreciate it. I think this is so helpful for the woman who just really wants to enlighten herself and and feel empowered in her body, and to really just know, like, what does hormone alignment look like? So thank you so much, Brooke. Um, How can people connect with you going forward?
1: Yeah, Instagram is the easiest. It's Brooke Rozzy. Come hang with me there. Um, And then my coaching programs, I go through all of this. That's literally what we work through in a coaching program setting. Um, They're always open for enrollment, so if you feel like you're ready to work on it, um, that's where you'll find me
0: awesome thank you again so much i appreciate it thank you bye thank you for showing up today i appreciate you being here in this space with me if you are into this episode or you really dig the podcast i would be so grateful for your five-star review on here as well as sharing this episode or podcast with your crew if it resonates at all that would mean the world to me Also, here is an invitation to hang out with me on Instagram at Brittany Basinski. You can chat with me here anytime. I would love to connect with you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being here. Until next time.